0: Welcome to NFL Kickoff Live. It is the best hour of football talk Every single Friday, we'll go around the NFL, talk about your team and every game, and we'll get local insight in a way that you can't get it anywhere else but right here at Locked On. My name's Tanitra Batiste. I am your host, and I'm here with Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs. We're going to go straight to Thursday Night Football. Guys, the Denver Broncos held the Kansas City Chiefs to just one touchdown in a 19-8 to win over the Broncos. Let's talk about it. Are the Broncos just that bad? Are they really kind of a bottom three type of team?
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, When you think about what's going on in all of the room, as we approach the NFL trade deadline, this is one of the teams that's been most active or going to be the most active, right? Because we heard about Jerry Judy and they just recently cut Randy Gregory. Now Frank Clark has requested a trade. You know, all of those factors kind of let you know that Nathaniel Hackett probably wasn't as bad as of a coach as everybody thinks he is or Sean Payton thought, you know, because it's still a dumpster fire, like two years running. So I think that right now when you think about like, okay, who's the team that's going to be in the bidding or in the, the running for a guy like Caleb Williams, uh, Denver is was one of definitely going to be one of those choices. Yeah.
0: And what about you, Kyle? Yeah,
2: I, I think from Denver's perspective, it's, it's tough because you had this ownership change. You made this big investment for Russell Wilson kind of in the same timeline and hired a coach. Then you fired the coach and now you're sending draft capital for Sean Payton. And it just feels like there wasn't an honest conversation about like where Denver's coming from and like trying to bridge the gap with new ownership and new coaching and a new quarterback and new coaching again, When Denver has endured what has comfortably been the worst stretch of this franchise's history over the course of the past eight years or so, five wins in 2017, six wins in 18, seven wins, five wins, seven wins, five wins. wins. And now they're one in five. And at some point you got to crawl before you can walk. And for there to be this aggressive kind of push to go get Russell Wilson and trade a first and a second round pick for Sean Payton, it, you're going to have to go back to square one. And and I think the writing being on the wall and you look at the efficiencies, particularly on the defensive side of the ball and how bad that is for Denver right now. Yeah. I do think this is a bottom three team and I don't think it's going to get much better as the rest of the season plays out here.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking the same. I think that to Jarvis's point, they're just going to go into the NFL version of tank mode and just try in the offseason to reset. And that, It's from a player perspective, but who knows just how far that reset goes because it feels like nothing is working, including the coach that they selected to be the one to take this team where where they want to go, because that's a great point, Kyle. It doesn't it seems like there's a disconnect everywhere, the front office, the sidelines on the field, just a disconnect everywhere in a place where we never would have thought that when John Elway did what he did to get Peyton Manning and get the Broncos back into being that kind of franchise. Another franchise that we never thought we would be having a conversation about as a bottom dweller or losers, the New England Patriots. You're talking about a team that from 2009 to 2019, 11 consecutive division titles, they were a perennial favorite to go to the Super Bowl. If they actually did not go to the Super Bowl, just an amazing run there. I think what nine Super Bowls. So now they can't get out of their own way. And people are actually talking about firing the great Bill Belichick. But do you think at the end of the season, the Patriots and uh, Robert Kraft will decide it's time to part ways? I do.
2: Yeah, I, I I have seen this firsthand as a Dolphins fan. The end of the Don Shula era in Miami was very unceremonious. It was obviously this is the record that Bill Belichick's been chasing the last few years. And they kind of discreetly behind the curtain said, look, you can either retire or you're going to get fired. Yeah. And Don Shula retired and did not choose to pursue coaching elsewhere. I don't know what Bill Belichick's ultimate decision will be, but. Robert Kraft has, throughout the course of the offseason, handed out very strong vocabulary and statements to the fan base and to the media talking about the expectations for this franchise and getting back to the playoffs. We haven't won a playoff game since we won the Super Bowl against the Rams uh, five years ago. And I got bad news for you guys. You ain't making the playoffs this year. Uh, even in, Even though the AFC is not as crazy competitive right now as what it looked like it might be. There's been some injuries that have thinned out a few teams. This team just – they are one of the more banged-up teams in general themselves, and they don't have the difference-making kinds of players to get them out of close-game situations. And then the last two weeks, they haven't even played close games. So I I do think this this is heading towards a break uh, at the end of the season.
1: I mean, let's keep it funky. Like – The general manager, Bill Belichick, should have been fired a long time ago because he's missed up and down the draft, whether it be first round through the sixth or seventh round or either undrafted. He just has missed consistently. And I think that when you think about having both of those titles, you know, that's why I'm breaking them up into two. That general manager should have been gone a long time ago. Here's, here's my case for, for Bill Belichick to be gone now. 36 and 38 without Tom Brady. He hasn't made the playoffs without Tom Brady since 2008. Oh, yeah. You remember Matt Castle? Yeah, that's a throwback. He, he was the quarter, starting quarterback for that team. So I think that when you think about lining it all up, I, the Super Bowl appearances like T you mentioned, yeah, I get it. I totally understand it. But it, it is time comes for a reset. And I think it's time for a reset all throughout and throughout this organization, just from a general manager standpoint and a head coaching standpoint, because that Patriot way doesn't 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 put any fear in anyone um, anymore. Because when you think about the Patriots being outscored seventy two to three in the last two games, yeah. like we're not used that. That's unacceptable like regardless of who's who's the coach right you know if Nathaniel Hackett got blown out like that and probably did at some point last year when he was the head coach for the Broncos you, you would be sitting like okay this dude doesn't deserve to be a head coach so those same parameters, those same expectations need to be put on Bill Belichick as well because that is just unacceptable. Now they're talking about Malik Cunningham potentially against a run at quarterback when everybody was all in love with Mac Jones and then Mm -hmm. Bailey Zappi came in. It's just so much stuff. Like these teams, you see all the outside stuff going on, you know, storylines going on and within within the organization, you know, it's much worse because, you know, they – they're pretty tight zip when it comes to what's going on behind the scenes in yeah. New England. But, but yeah, this is a situation where general, general manager should be going, Bill Belichick. And now it's time, for, it's time to part ways. It's time to do a, a hard reset with this organization.
0: And it's interesting because for me, I think the same, by the way. I agree that it's just time to part ways. It's that ship has sailed. But I also think he's very fortunate because this is an environment where you don't win immediately, you're gone. But he managed to get four extra years, I'll call it, since 2019 because of all of those Super Bowl runs. But you can only do that for so long. And then eventually that good grace, grace that you built up or, or that cachet that you built up, that's going to disappear. That's going to expire. And I think that time is com- has come because right now the AFC East as a whole, are just passing the Patriots by. they're they're not they're an afterthought, even thinking about the Jets, people are like, okay, but there might be something there when the Jets are a conversation and you're not. that's when yeah it's time to just do a hard reset. Now, got a couple other teams in there that probably need to do hard resets as well. What in the name of Vikings is going on with the Vikings?
1: <sighs> wow where do you start oh god like where do you start like i think that you know defensively you know Kyle is continually pointed out like brian flores trying to force feed his style of play with without the the right personnel to be able to match up with that so i think that when you have that aspect of it you got o'connor as the head coach Kirk cousins like he's just he's just he's just average like we we don't have direction at the quarterback position that Puts you behind the eight ball, especially in a league like today, because I mean, essentially the NFL is begging you to throw the football. You know, yeah. that's why Kirk Cousins has, has had some success in the regular season, but when it comes to those big games and those primetime games and, and playoff games, he disappears because things are different in the playoffs. They ease up on those. Hey, let's let everybody score all those points, and let these guys kind of play some football, some real football. So I think that that's why you start to see those things, those windows start to shrink, and you start seeing him turn the ball over or say, "Oh, why is the dude doing this?" He didn't do this in the regular season because things change when you get into that to the um, postseason. So I think that when you have, you know, uh, all of those factors coming into play, mm-hmm. and we know the Vikings have been known for the uh the, with Mike Zimmer at being the head right. coach their defense the defense defense that was their identity mm-hmm. they don't have an identity now because their defense is not what what it was because they like you said they don't have the personnel so i think that when you think about putting all those factors together that's why you have what you have up in minnesota
0: but interestingly Kyle we don't talk as much about Minnesota and their one and four as we do about Chicago and their one and four. It's like Chicago has been dragged through the mud about just winning one game. But I'll be honest with you. I was kind of, and I, you know, of course have been following, but it's kind of shocking. Like, man, I wonder why we don't talk about it. Why do you think there's so much more conversation about the bears and the Vikings, especially because the Vikings were one of those teams that went off last year, of course, in the regular season, and then kind of fell off the, the cliff uh, in the postseason, but ultimately are you think, do you think they're showing who they really are this year?
2: Uh, I, I think at some point, you know, regression of the mean is one of those things that yeah. usually happens in football. And, and here's some, some numbers for Minnesota uh, last year, they scored 424 points, which was the si- the fifth most in franchise history. And they had a minus three point differential because they allowed 427 points, which was uh, a bottom six record in franchise history for most points allowed. So they were top five single season scoring points Mm -hmm. and bottom six for points allowed. And it's the same story the two previous seasons when they, in 2020, they scored 430 and gave up 475 points. And then they gave up 425 and gave up, or they scored 425 and gave up 426 in 2021. So they have been 27th, 30th and 31st in yards defensively and they were bottom five in scoring defense last year and managed to win 13 games yes. because they were fifth and twelfth in turnover differential over the course of the previous two seasons. They're dead last in turnover differential this year. So there's some good fortunes when you're giving up a lot of points, but you still manage to find a way to win ball games. That ball's gonna bounce the other way at some point. And you've seen that with Minnesota. They've had like horrible fumble luck already this season. I think they've lost eight fumbles or something already. Uh, just an obscene number, and it, it's law of averages. If you do flip a coin enough times, you're going to get 50-50. And they got heads a whole bunch of times in 2022, and it's coming up tails this year. And I think you're seeing that that be one of the contributing factors to this team having a lot of the same problems that they did last year.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna throw out two more teams, and of course, our producers will not be pleased with one of them. But I'm gonna start with the Giants and ask you guys about that one and four team. And Jarvis, whether or not you think they're the bottom dwellers as well, or do you think they're that one and four team that's just, you know, had a couple of like tough goes, and and they're really better than that?
1: Um, no, they're a bottom dweller, like <laughs> hands down. Uh, like I said, we. When organizations don't have direction. No, it's a trend here like teams we've been talking about they don't have any direction at the quarterback position. Yeah. And had no identity. Yeah, no identity. Like who are the Giants? We when I knew who they were when when Eli Manning was there and they had Michael Strahan and all those and Justin Tuck and all those guys, they were Eli Manning going to turn the ball over, but when it comes nut cutting time, they are going to get 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 right and he's going to make a play. And then and then when they get a lead, that doggone defensive line—they're going to get down and they're going to rush the quarterback, rush the quarterback, and put him on the ground consistently. So it's just—and they've had issues ever since then. To be honest with you, on the defensive side of the football, they just have been, just not been able to figure it out. Like when you're talking about position needs going into the draft, I'm sure you you have experienced this, Kyle, and your research. Like they always have needed linebackers, like, and they always kind of fill those spots, those linebacker spots, with free agents and guy, just bringing guys in, and never actually invested in that position and, and drafting a guy that can come in and can be around for the next eight to ten years, as far as you know, being that catalyst for your defense. So it's just so many things that that's been going on. That Brian Dayball came in, he did work his magic with with Danny Dimes in his first year, but like. This this year that's who i feel like daniel jones is this yeah. is who he is this is yeah. who he is like yeah of exactly course <laughs> yeah daniel jones that's who he is and then you got the is- issue with saquon barkley like there's another trend you know issues storylines outside of actual football stuff going on and them dealing with it and the contract stuff and all that things all those things going on we're talking about badly run organizations and it's Ashley leaking out into the field yeah. and sh- people should not be surprised by that at all.
0: Yeah. And Kyle, the one team that the giants did beat is another one in four team and the Arizona Cardinals, but they're also the team that got their one win against the Dallas Cowboys and smoked them. So, and they've been competitive in some of those losses. So do you feel like that is as bottom of a dweller as the ones we've already talked about? So
2: I think you can define Arizona in a little bit of a different light than some of the other teams. Yeah. I think Arizona has the least talent at their disposal. I think their talent has the most work ahead of it, Mm -hmm. but I think they're playing better football than just about every name that we mentioned. And like, if, if it wasn't for Daniel Jones catching fire in the second half of that giants game, Arizona was up 20 to nothing at halftime in that football game. And that that was really the only scoring output outburst that the giants have had all season. They scored 31 points. And I think Arizona they're on schedule because Mm -hmm. they knew what this season was going to be. They traded down in the draft and drafted an offensive tackle. And the starting quarterback was on PUP and first time head coach. And they were hoarding draft picks. You kind of saw their strategy with, with the NFL draft in April and what they were planning to do and uh, sent away a couple of different players. Guys like Josh Jones got traded and, and there was an argument to be made. Like, Hey, that's a pretty valuable piece. Well, they they took the draft pick form. So, I think Arizona they they they're not tanking, right? right. But it's like, hey, we're we're hoarding assets. We're going to build for the future and we understand we're not going to be competitive this year. And in the process of doing that, they actually have a coach that came in here and in spite of what the uh, flight school promo video with Jonathan Gannon Would have you believe he actually did light a fire underneath this team a little bit. And he's got them playing really scrappy inspired football because it's it reminds me of the 2019 Miami Dolphins. That was an island of misfit toys. (laughs) There's a bunch of guys who are like, everybody wrote us off. We think we can still play. Let's go out there and and show that we still have a spot in this league and we have a place in this league and try to not just do it for this year but earn ourselves an opportunity moving forward, whether it be in Arizona or somewhere else. And I think a number of players in that position are going to do that. So um, I do think they're a bottom feeder, but I think I'm I'm the most optimistic about them because this is all a part of what their process was going to be this year anyway.
0: Exactly. And I would agree with you as well. They look a little bit different. Maybe we call them an on-the-rise bottom dweller. Anyway, you want to make your life easier when it comes to daily fantasy sports. Well, drivers can tell you how to do it with prize picks.
1: Folks, listen up, Jarvis Davis here for Prospects. Guess what? I've been out here getting to the money. How about Prospect, a skill-based fantasy game? And, and I think when you think about what they're able to do, Prospects is a place that you need to go to. And I think that there is there are some, some really good things that you need to take a look at when you think about what Prospects has done, and they have so many things for you, right? So here's the thing: prospect.com/slash locked on NFL. Prizepick.com slash locked on NFL is the website you need to go to. Why do I need to go to that website, Jarvis? Because they're going to give you a first deposit match up to $100. How do I get it? All you got to do is drop the promo code in there, locked on NFL. Yes, again, locked on NFL. And the website you need to go to, prizepick.com slash locked on NFL. And you're going to get a first deposit match up to $100 dollars and all you gotta do is just use locked on NFL. Yeah, I'm talking about it's easy stuff. All you gotta do, pick the players and pick the over or the under. That's it. It's so simple. You don't have to worry about trying to collect your money at the end of the year and going th- and dealing with injuries and trying to go through, you know, the uh the 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 uh the waiver wire and all that stuff. It's none of that. Just go to Right there. Pick your players. Hit the over or the under. It's against the numbers, guys. That's all you got to do. So prizepick.com slash NFL and you're going to get a first deposit match up to $100 with prize picks.
0: Yeah, that's a good look for you. Unless you're the guy in, where's it, California, who won the billion? You probably want to go with prize fix. (laughs) At any rate, the Detroit Lions have been on a roll, and we know that personally, right, Jarvis? But the Detroit Lions have been on a roll that is not as surprising because we really saw them on the rise at the end of last season. Whereas you can argue that a surprising team on the rise is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what they've been able to do with Baker Mayfield under center. Now, this week, the two face off in the game of the week, and for predictions, On how this will shake out, here's Matt Derry of Locked on Lions and James Yarko of Locked on Bucks.
3: You know, I'm looking at this game, James, as far as predictions go. And, you know, the Lions have won their last three and it's been all blowouts. I mean, they really have won. What is it? 14, 18 and 14 or 16, whatever it's been. Um, they've done, they've done well. I mean, they went into Green Bay and pounded the Packers. Atlanta came in feeling pretty good. Lions gave it to them. Uh, obviously this past weekend, there was really no contest. Carolina's not ready and you'll see them twice. (laughs) And the Lions are, I think this is going to be a closer game. I think, you know, I think maybe Baker Baker's here in like a fourth quarter pick and the Lions hang on and win 24, 21, something like that. Where it comes down to the end. I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a physical game. Um, and I like the the way the Bucs are playing. But I'll take Detroit on the road. Maybe to win by three. What do you think?
4: Yeah, you, you mentioned it. The Lions have been winning by blowouts. On the flip side, outside of, of the domination of the Saints, the Bucs have won close and ugly. That's That's been their mantra against the Vikings, against the Bears. It's been close and ugly. We are going to drag this thing out. We are going to battle tooth and nail. And in the fourth quarter, we're going to get a play that bounces our way and going to take advantage of it. So that's kind of how the, the Bucks have looked so far this year. Offense coordinator Dave Canales has done a phenomenal job of adjusting things on the fly when something's not working early in the game, switching up the game plan switching up the the looks and the and uh their attack strategy and it has paid dividends raymond james is going to be jumping i i know the lions just had their big invasion of lambeau field which was a lot of fun to watch for somebody yeah. who is not a fan of the packers um i don't see them having that big of of a fan base at the stadium this week because of the return of the creamsicles. This is something that the city of Tampa has been asking for, begging for, for years and years and years, and there are a lot of very excited fans. Now, of course, there's going to be Detroit fans that already live there because it's a transplant city, so it's not going to be 100% Bucs fans in the stands, but this is going to be a big-time emotional game for the fans. They are going to get behind their Buccaneers. The Bucs are going to feed off that, and once again, Think the Bucks are going to win something that's close and ugly. I'm going to take the
3: Buccaneers 24 to 23. All right. I mean, we're both right there. We're both yeah. right there. And I, like I said, I mean, I've never been a huge Bulls fan, especially late this game decision making and everything else. And gosh, I remember. I mean, how he left that poor kid Donovan Smith in the game when when Brady was getting destroyed a couple of years ago. <laughs> I think it was either last year or the year before. And I was like, take him out. Uh, what's that coach doing? But regardless. Uh, Defense is what his calling card has always been, and uh, his teams are always physical. I think this will be a very close game.
0: Now, you know, I think they will both be surprised because they might have a few more Detroit Lions fans than they realize because it is time for the snowboards to start coming south, the snowboards, right? So, and I don't know if they get to Miami, but they certainly get to Tampa. And I know that because I used to cover the Bucks in Tampa. And yeah, that, that dream sickle, icicle, purple sickle thing, or what is it? Orange sickle thing they got going on. Yeah. People have been lobbying for that for a minute. But anyway, let's talk about what's going on on the field between those two teams. Do you guys think, first of all, that the Lions are a top contender in the NFC? I mean, Jarvis, do you think that they have at least cemented that status through this first, maybe third of the season?
1: Not top contender. One of them. Yes. Yes. Uh, I I would definitely say that because, you know, San Francisco is hands down the, 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 the team to beat right now in the NFC. But when you think about what the Lions have done, Dan Campbell, and I know I was one of those people making fun of a press conference and biting ankles and (laughs) eating sugar, sugar cream, sickle pops and all that stuff and snatching it from babies, all, all that stuff, just crazy stuff. Right. And we think about that, though. You know, being a former athlete, I can understand why players get behind that because, you know, if you 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 got a little psyche a psycho a psychotic like feel vibe to you. I mean, you have to have one if you're gonna be a professional athlete for sure. got to, I will say that. And Dan Campbell has done that, right? And and he's been in those trenches, so he understands it. So you understand why the identity of this team, hey it's going to be a knockdown drag out game regardless of the score when when you come to play in Detroit and, and for to hear to actually say those words it sounds weird right because yeah. like i even my neighbor is a detroit lions fan and he's still kind of saying man i don't know jarvis man i don't know you know we're just going to take it game by game i was like you're supposed to talk like that <laughs> you're a fan of this team this team has been awful for years so yeah. yes Get behind this squad because this this is something. They have a foundation. They have an identity. They have direction at the quarterback position. You you can, you can believe what Dan Campbell is saying when he's in those post game presses or, or talking to the media, um, leading up to that. You know that whoever they're going to play on, on Sunday. So yeah, it is. This is something that you know I feel like they are a top contender in the NFC, hands down. And I'm really interested to see how the season goes along because. You know, there's still some things that I feel like they can improve on. I really feel like they can get Jameer Gibbs a little bit more involved. Yeah. Ben Johnson, exactly. come on now, get, yeah. get that. Y'all spent that, that first-round draft pick on him for a reason. So, But outside of that, I just think the overall consistency that we've seen from this team, week in and week out, they have to be put in at, at top, the top part of the conversation as far as contenders in the NFC.
0: Yeah, consistent and complete. And Kyle, if the Bucs are somehow able to pull out the W in this game, does that put them into not a top contender, but the top contenders conversation?
2: I would still say there's probably a separation uh, as far as who I consider at the top of the conference where it's it's San Francisco. And then I think Philadelphia is behind San Francisco, mm-hmm. but still a tier separate from the rest. And, and right now I'd probably say it's it's Dallas and Detroit. Well, this could be a huge statement for Tampa to get back into that conversation if they were mm-hmm. to beat one of those teams because say what you will about the offensive line and the ability to run the football, and it is it is a huge concern. I think they're averaging like three yards per carry as a team this year. They're they're pretty one-dimensional offensively. Yeah. Defense is balling out. They got 10 turnovers in four games. Uh, they've given up less than 375 yards on offense in three of the four games that they've played. Uh, the Eagles lit them up for for 472 on the Monday night football game that they played and yet they still managed to keep that reasonably close as far as the the game. It was just they couldn't get anything going offensively. So I I do think from Tampa's perspective, especially in the South, where what's Desmond Ritter going to give you each and every week? Is is New Orleans, did they catch lightning in a bottle with the scoring outburst against New England? Have Mm -hmm. they figured out their offensive woes, or are they still going to kind of be clunky and herky-jerky? Like that division's open. Right. And I think an opportunity for Tampa to beat a team like Detroit would really go a long way. I think in serving as their statement to say, "Hey, yeah. we're going to be a force to be reckoned with in this division." Right. And I still would probably say that they would. I would favor them behind each of the four teams that I already mentioned in the conference.
0: Yeah. And I think it is those four. And then it's maybe like you said, that second tier and then your bottom dwellers. And interestingly enough, that same Detroit Lions team, of course, beat the Atlanta Falcons. So I do think it may be a statement kind of game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to say, hey, we haven't played you yet, Atlanta Falcons, but we're going to beat a team that beat you so we can show you that we're really I don't want to say real, but yeah kind of show that we're not pretenders. And Jarvis, in order for the Buccaneers to to do that, they still need to be getting what they're gonna what they've been getting out of Baker Mayfield. Are you surprised at how effective he's been under center?
1: Um, I'm waiting for the for the for the ball to drop on this one because I it is it's gonna take a lot more than what five games, I mean four games for me to to be all in on Baker Mayfield. I'm yeah. I'm not sold on him just yet because like there is I really feel like this is going to be one of those instances where we was like, man, he was playing so well to start (laughs) the season. Now it's just kind of like, oh, you know, and then, oh, now the the Buccaneers are, or what, second in the division now. They were leading, they were at the top of the division when they were getting ready to play against the Detroit line. So I think that this is going to be a scenario where I, I understand that he's been playing solid. Like we've seen this movie before. Like he played solid in Cleveland, you know, so and, and I, with a bad shoulder, you know, you know, going through the season like that, you know, and, and doing what he can to kind of, you know, get get that team where it needed to be. So I think he's in a situation where he even when he was out with the Rams, he started off playing really well. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, Baker's back. No, no, this dude eventually once tape gets out, guys watch it and they and eventually you're going to get exposed for who you are. Mm-hmm. Time and time again, it happens 100 percent of the time in the NFL. And I think that this is one of those situations where Baker Mayfield is it's, he's going to eventually show himself.
0: Yeah. And that Detroit Lions offense is a very high powered offense. And I think, yes, granted, somehow, some way the Bucs were able to claw, keep clawing away when they were in that Eagles game all the way through that fourth quarter. But I also think that was an Eagles team that had a few injuries. That was an Eagles team that was trying to find itself dare i say and i think that this detroit lions team they're not trying to find anything they know exactly who they are and they they're going to impose their will uh in tampa bay now if you want to take control of your health jarvis will tell you just how you can do it with jace medical
1: folks listen up jarvis davis here for jace case this episode of nfl kickoff live is brought to you by jace medical yes Jay's case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it, all it takes is to get a Jay's case, is fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor created, Dr. Rekha. Man, I know you've been in a situation where it's like, oh my God, man, my, the kid's sick in the middle of the night. I don't know what's going on. They got a sinus infection and you just like, I don't know what to do. And then you might not have that service where you can call a 24 hour service with your health care. case can help you out. It is simple, guys. All you gotta do is go online, fill out a form, then you get a prescription, life-saving medications right to your door. They can help you out right there. So J's got to make sure you have medication in hand and I'm telling you, you're going to have the access to the medication in an emergency. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace, K- Jace Medical by using my code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com.
0: Well, I don't know if Jace Medical followed a team out of the Windy City or not to heal them of whatever their internal issues were last week, but they were sure looking good as the Chicago Bears were on the receiving end of jokes at the beginning of the season. Then all of a sudden last week, they kind of woke up against the commanders. Now this week, they're facing one of the teams we have called bottom dwellers right there along with them in the Minnesota Vikings. So can they cover the two and a half point spread? Well, Lauren Cox from locked on bears is here to tell us why they can.
5: The Chicago bears will cover a two and a half point spread against the Minnesota Vikings in week six, the Vikings offense without Justin Jefferson sure doesn't scare you as much, even with Kirk cousins playing at a high level. Jordan Addison, as a receiver, still needs to prove himself without having Justin Jefferson really taking all the attention. And Alexander Madison in the backfield isn't exactly a dynamic playmaker back there. You couple that with a Chicago Bears offense that's really hitting its stride right now and facing a blitz heavy Brian Flores defense that's not too dissimilar from what they've already faced this season against Tampa Bay and the Kansas City Chiefs. Justin Fields is confident and balling right now. The Bears have answers for the Blitz with DJ Moore and a a strong set of complementary weapons. And all of a sudden, you've got a formula here for the Chicago Bears to win back-to-back games for the first time under head coach Matt Eberflus.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see because this is that kind of intriguing game where, like we talked about earlier, a little bit different, granted, I'll say that, we looked at the Lions versus the Bucks and that matchup. And now it's kind of time for them to put our money where our mouth is, if you will. The Lions are FanDuel favorites in this one, but here to sell us why the Bucks are the right choice. James Yarko from Locked on Bucks.
4: Health is going to play a big factor when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers host the Detroit Lions on a throwback classic. I am James Yarko, one of the hosts of Locked On Bucks, talking about why the Buccaneers are not only going to cover the spread, but they're probably going to win this game as they bring back the creamsicle jerseys. The city of Tampa has been turning it into a week long holiday of creamsicle and 1970s throwbacks but that's not why they're going to cover the spread that's not why they're going to win the game it's all about the health you have Jamel Dean coming back after missing week four against the Saints you have Kalijah Kansi and Cervasier Dennis coming back after multiple weeks having missed with injuries you have Mike Evans returning you have Vita Vea and Devin White who are both getting healthy now The Buccaneers bye week while it was so early, was vital to the success of the team in getting those key players back on the field. Kalijah Cansey had a huge impact in the limited amount of time he was on the field in week one against the Minnesota Vikings, getting pressures, getting a quarterback hit, and Jared Goff has been pressured on 25% of his dropbacks. Now, While his numbers are impressive, while under pressure, that is also where all three of his interceptions came from was under duress. And we know that nobody brings pressure like Todd Bowles and nobody disguises pressure like Todd Bowles. Having his full allotment of defensive players and guys that can make big plays is going to be huge as the Buccaneers are out to prove against the NFC North leaders that this is a legitimate team and a team that could go on to win this division and be in the postseason. This is more than just a flash in the pan over the first four weeks, and it all boils down to the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are finally getting healthy.
0: Now, guys, we touched on that a little bit, what James was saying towards the end of the video, which is that this is kind of a prove-it game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he did give some compelling reasons as to why they could walk away with a win against the Lions. What else do you guys need to see, uh, Jarvis, out of this Buccaneers team, especially in the first half? What do you need to see out of them to say, hey, they can hang with a high-powered offense like the Lions if they have to go toe-to-toe with them?
1: I mean, it always it always starts with you know going to the games, and you're talking about offensive teams that can that can put up some points, right? Make them one dimensional. Uh, Get them off off the ground because we know that's what they want to do. And you're talking about the identity, right? We talked about had that conversation earlier about how what the Lions want to do. They want to be out physical you, and that starts in the run game, in my humble opinion. And I think that if they can do, they can get that. uh, get them up off the ground early on and have a guy like a guy like Vita Vea can help with that, that situation. <laughs> Devin White coming back. Yes, that can yeah. help as well. So yeah. I think that, that is some, those are some key additions that uh, James brought up that I feel like is going to be, it's going to help them out a lot because if you're having, <clears throat> having offenses, having a two way go throughout that for three and four quarters, like that's how you end up with 30, the 35 points, you know, at, at the end of the game. So I think that if they can get them all off the ground yeah, and Vita Vale establishes himself, like I know he can, and uh, up front, I really feel like this is going to be one of those situations where we're looking at like, okay, this defense for the Bucks is probably one of the better in the league. If they can hold Detroit under that 20 point mark, like we talked about when they played against the Falcons.
0: And Kyle, that's a word because the Buccaneers defense may actually be their best offense against the Lions. Yeah,
2: I agree, Uh, especially when you consider, you know, Jarvis Jarvis talked about the rush defense for Tampa Bay and and what Detroit wants to do offensively. Mm -hmm. Uh, They gave up 201 rushing yards against the Eagles in week three. The other three games were 41 yards, 67 yards, and 70 yards for their their other three games to start this first month of the season. Mm -hmm. And I think about two other areas for Tampa defensively that I think are going to be really important. They're one of the best red zone defenses in football. So if Detroit's going to move the ball, you can bend, but don't break. They've given up three touchdowns in 11 trips to the the red zone defensively. Tampa has thus far this season. That's the second best touchdown percentage ratio defensively in the league. That's critical. But the area that I think they need to be better is on third down. They're giving up first downs on 47% of their third down opportunities defensively. That's a bottom four number in the league. So if they can get third down, win against the run early force them into long distance third and down third third uh third down down in distances and then you can bring pressure at Jared Goff in those instances and try to really be compressed on the back end and force force him to take sacks and and force them to punt the ball I think that's the part for Tampa that has to be different than what it has been early they have to be better defensively
1: on third down
0: now, Jarvis, the Lions are actually Fanduel favorites in this one. Tell me who you got.
1: Wow, uh, I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Lions because that's 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 what I've seen. That's what I've been at. You know that that consistency, right? Like I, in every game, regardless win or loss, I've seen the Detroit Lions continually put out a product that can win you have give you a chance to win games yeah. week in and week out in the NFL. And I think that when you have when you have that, you have a quarterback that can, you know, get the job done. He's not turning the ball over that much. Like we've, you know, how he was shipped out of L.A. You know, out of the, um, L.A. Those were some of the reasons why he was shipped out of there. So I think that when you have a, a quarterback on the center doing what he's supposed to do, and you have that offense and a very uh, thoughtful and creative mind and Ben Johnson calling plays, I really feel like the Lions is gonna gonna get the job done for sure.
0: And Kyle, do you think this will be a game where the Lions continue to show their dominance or do you think this is a game where the Bucs get the win?
2: I think this is a huge statement opportunity for Detroit's offensive line. Uh, we, We talked about how Philadelphia ran for 201 yards against this Tampa defense. Detroit's offensive line is in that same stratosphere as far as the quality of the group and the unit. I do think they are going to have the opportunity to reset the line of scrimmage. And I'm worried about Tampa Bay's ability to do the same when they have the ball. We already <laughs> mentioned they're three yards per carry as a team. Yeah. And if you're going to be going into the game one dimensional and Detroit does have the ability to win the line of scrimmage, even with Vita coming back and Tampa's defense being as good as it is. I just think that recipe when each team respectively has the ball is going to be too much for Tampa to overcome. So I'll pick Detroit to win this game as well.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to go back to Bears and Commanders because we talked earlier about that game, and of course, heard our sell me why from Lauren Cox. But in the in that game this week, of course, it's Chicago. It's the Vikings. Can they cover the two and a half point spread? Where do you think that game lands? Especially because those are kind of our bottom dwellers.
1: I think they can. I think they can cover the the, the spread because here's my thing with Chicago, like. Mm-hmm. It feels like the coaches are, are, are very reactionary. Like things have to go just off the rails for they yeah. just for them to just go into go into the lab and sit down and come up with a nice game plan that's going to give them a chance to win games on a weekly basis, and they just haven't done that yeah. unless. You know, there are rumors and stuff like, oh, yeah, they're about to fire the whole staff. Everybody's gone at the end of the season. Then next thing you know, they drop 40 points on the Washington Commanders. I'm just like, OK, where was this at the beginning of the season? So yeah, that's what we talk talking about, right? Organizations. No direction at the quarterback spot. Although I do like Justin Fields. I, I like his capabilities. I feel like he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL outside of the city of Chicago when he gets a real opportunity to be with a real coaching staff. Yeah. But, you know, the head coach, Matt Eberflus. He's not a leader, you know, and you had the defense coordinator dealing with the whole FBI investigation. See how there's a trend here. We've been talking about this on this show all day. It's just so much stuff going on that really doesn't have anything to do with football. And then it's just leaking out onto the field and you just have the wrong people in place. And I think that right now, um, if they're able to come up with a game plan, if they are hearing those rumors that they're about to be fired and Luke Getzey, they're about to get you know, fired during the season for the first time ever. You know, in Chicago Bears history, yeah, I feel like they can cover this. Bad, this bad boy because they have the talent to do it on off on the offensive side of the football. You know, I, it, this is this is one I'm gonna be paying close attention to because, like I said, this is an opportunity for them to prove that hey, they can coach in the NFL. Or I feel like. Or not, My, or not, and, and I think that we're going to be closer to or not because yeah. that's just what they that's, that's that's who they've shown us shown to to to, to um, for themselves to be. How about you, Kyle? I uh,
2: I think the status of Justin Jefferson going on IR is a huge feather in the cap for Chicago's opportunity to cover a two and a half point spread. Yeah. Uh, that that's a huge loss for Minnesota offensively, and, and Chicago low key has scored sixty eight points the last two weeks. Now they win mm-hmm. against. Denver and they went against Washington. So they, they win against two, two defenses that are yielding a lot of points, but we did a whole monologue on Minnesota defensively and kind of the correlation between the amount of points that they give up and have been yeah. giving up. Yeah. And they brought in Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator this year. And, and I know Brian's defense very well from the time that he spent in Miami. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I can tell you is traditionally one thing that gives them fits is quarterbacks who can run because Flores plays the math game and and he wants to play man coverage, and then he wants to bring pressure. And if you don't get home and that guy can run, he's going to get out and run, and everybody's going to have their backs to him because they're playing man coverage. So that, for me, is where you either got to throw the ball to DJ Moore, you got to let Justin Jefferson be an athlete in this game and embrace that part of his game this week. And if you do, I think that is enough of a recipe where I do think Chicago can cover the spread, especially without Justin Jefferson.
0: Yeah, agreed. Now, the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals have struggled to get things going up until last week. So are Joe Burrow's injury problems finally behind him? Will the Bengals continue to build off their win over the Cardinals this week? They are three-point favorites at Duel over the Seattle Seahawks. Can they cover? Here's Locked On Bengals host James Rapine to sell us why.
6: Will the Bengals cover the three-point spread on Sunday against the Seahawks? Hi again, everyone. I'm James Erpine from the Locked on Bengals podcast. And the Bengals, well, they're favored by three, according to Fandle, America's number one sports book. I think they will cover in the path to covering. It begins, it ends, even in the middle. Has to do with Joe Burrow and that calf injury, which obviously plagued him not only throughout training camp in the preseason, but has impacted his play early on this year. We saw him last week. Look, as close to Joe Cool as we've seen all season long, through for 300 plus yards, was completing passes left and right to Jamar Chase, who finished with 15 receptions, which was a team record. And so you need Joe Burrow to perform like that. This Bengals team is a pass first offense. So protecting Joe is obviously always really, really important, especially against the Seattle defense. It's a really good secondary. They have a bunch of different guys that get after the passer without necessarily blitzing. So this Bengals offensive line will have to step up and perform at a high level. And then will they have T. Higgins? If they have T. Higgins, that would go a long way as well. He's dealing with a, a fractured rib right now. Missed last week, was a limited participant in practice. But even if they don't have him, they have other guys like Trenton Irwin and Andre Yosavash, Tyler Boyd, of course, that they believe in behind Jamar Chase. On the reverse side and on defense, this Bengals team, they need to take away the run. Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet, that two-headed monster for the Seahawks, they want to establish the run and then use that to open up the downfield throws to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. If you can take that run game away at least some, then maybe it'll limit those explosive plays that the Seahawks haven't hit on much this year, but you know they want to, and it's just a matter of time with Geno Smith at quarterback. He's Really taken uh, the NFL by storm, the Seahawks by storm, and has them in a good place at three and one. So this is a tough challenge at home for the Bengals. But if Joe Burrow is right, this Bengals team can certainly get it done on Sunday. For more, make sure you check out the Locked On
1: Bengals podcast.
0: Quick thoughts on Bengals Seahawks guys?
1: Yeah, if Joe Cool it is 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 healthy, this team has an opportunity to win. And they, if they can get the, the ball, get that pill into um, Jamar Chase's hands, which they did last week. Man, Lord knows he helped my fantasy team out. Oh, I've been struggling, guys. Um, but yeah, I think that if we've been kind of wondering what's going on with, with with Joe and for him to kind of put together the type of game that he did last week, I really feel like I'm going to roll with that nine times out of ten because we know what his capabilities are. He has NFL MVP type talent. Indeed.
2: Yeah, I, I think that the other storyline for Cincinnati is defensively what's going on. They've, they've kind of come alive with injuries the last three weeks. They have six turnovers in the last three weeks, but from a rushing defense standpoint, you know, they're Joe Burrow ain't going to help you on run defense. And yet you've given up 206, 178, 173, and 142 rushing yards to opposing teams in four year, five games. And Lou Rumo's defense is, is in several years of the system. And you know, giving up 173 to Tennessee with Tennessee missing a, a couple guys on the offensive line. Kind of surprising. So I, I think for Seattle, I think James hit on uh, stopping Seattle's desire to rush the ball. That's going to be critical because uh, the, the Bengals have not run the ball well. So they're a one dimensional offense that is banking on Joe Burrow being healthy to get the ball to Jamar Chase with consistency. And if Seattle's able to play, possession and control the clock I do think that's a storyline here that it doesn't trend well based off what Cincinnati's done thus far this season but that's going to be the storyline of the game I I see this as a coin toss game I could very easily see Seattle winning the game but it, it is Cincinnati at home with a little bit of momentum after last week's win
0: yeah now you want to make your life easier when it comes to daily fantasy sports Jarvis can tell you how to do it with prize picks
1: Hey, guys, prospects is the most fun I've had in my life. Winning up to 25 times my money. Yes, I love doing that. that. I love that math. You just select two more players, pick more or less on their projected stacks and place your entry. It's this that simple, guys. I'm telling you, I, I've been testing my skills on prospect this football season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's simple to play and I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Yes, I'm talking about Instant one I love it. I love that guys. I'm telling you, it's so great. Prize picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payout payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more more value so all you got to do is go to prizepick.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. yes i said that right first deposit match up to 100 dollars. use the code locked on nfl and you can get in the game prize picks guys is daily fantasy sports made easy
0: Now, bye weeks have actually started. It seems so early for those, but yes, they have started, which can always be complicated for fantasy football owners who are three players that you might have stashed on your bench that need to get into your lineups this week. And I know Jarvis mentioned his fantasy football team earlier, and we'll talk about it on the other side. But for now, here's Locked On fantasy football host Michelle Majuk with your answers.
7: There are three players that you have not been counting on at all for fantasy throughout the 2023 season, but who I think you should be getting into your lineups in week six. First up is Rams quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Despite having the fourth most passing yards in the NFL through the first five weeks, he really hasn't been a very good fantasy producer so far this year. Very mediocre finishes each week of the season for fantasy, at least. But last week with Cooper Cup back into the lineup, Safford had his first zero turnover, multi-touchdown game of the season, and he gets a great matchup this week. The Cardinals are allowing the fourth fewest, or the, sorry, the Cardinals are allowing the fourth most fantasy points to the quarterback position this season. And over the last two weeks, both Brock Purdy and Joe Burrow scored 21 or more fantasy points against them. I do think Safford can easily be a top 10 fantasy quarterback this week, and he has top three upside My next guy up is Minnesota Vikings wide receiver KJ Osborne. Of course, with Justin Jefferson out, everyone is very excited about first-round rookie wide receiver Jordan Addison, and he will be great. I'm very high in Jordan Addison this week. But also, don't forget about the Vikings' other wide receiver, KJ Osborne, who last week he tied Jordan Addison for the most targets on the team with nine. And don't forget last season when Adam Thielen was struggling with the team, the Vikings gave KJ Osborne more opportunities and he really came through scoring 15 plus fantasy points in four of his last five weeks last season. So I believe KJ Osborne is a very solid flex play in week six against a very soft Chicago bears secondary. And then the, my last guy's commanders, tight end Logan Thomas, listen, Sam Howell just loves to target the tight end position. He completely ignores his great outside wide receivers. And all he wants to do is target Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas had 11 targets last week. And I believe this just keeps up because the Falcons are such a great matchup for tight ends. They are allowing the second most fantasy points to the, to the tight end position this season. Sam Laporta, Dalton Schultz, Hayden Hurst, and Evan Ingram. They each put up over 12 fantasy points against the Falcons this year. So if you don't have one of those elite tight end options, Logan Thomas is your next best bet.
0: All right, guys, tell me a little bit about what you were thinking as you're listening to Michelle, give us some guidance on what we're going to do on the fantasy side.
1: I thought that, Logan Thomas was an excellent pick. The Falcons have struggled with tight ends for yes, a long time. that was
0: my thought. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to be honest with you, T, I I I got him on my fantasy team. I went right, out. I went to the scrap heap and said, "Oh yeah, let me get Logan because I hit with Dalton Schultz last week, and I'm going, I'm riding that dog on train with Logan Thomas as well because it's just. They just they just have struggle. So, yeah, I, I think that's an excellent pick as far as if you're looking for uh, a nice value, um, more than likely he's going to be available in, in, in that uh, waiver wire. So, yeah, definitely local times was one that that immediately stuck out to me. Yeah.
2: I like the KJ Osborne pick. I think he's a really nice player. And obviously they've been looking for more high ceiling players opposite Justin Jefferson, but without Justin Jefferson this week and playing a Chicago team, that's given up the the second highest amount of passing yards offensively. We expect Chicago is going to be able to move the ball. So I think that's a game that's going to score some points and it's, it's not just going to be uh, Jordan Addison, right? It's not just Mm -hmm. going to be TJ Hawkinson. I, I think Kirk's going to be able to spread the ball around a little bit and I, I think K.J. Osborne, who, who's a guy who has had steadily 600-plus receiving yards in each of the last two seasons and a decent touchdown production, he's going to get a boost in opportunity this week. I think that's a really nice call for Michelle as well.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, yeah, if you, I, I love how you said, you know, pick, pick up some people off the scrap heap because quietly I think both of those, K.J. Osborne, London as well, like I think both of those have a great opportunity to kind of sneak up on uh, fantasy football players and kind of give them an opportunity to get some, I'll say free points because nobody else will probably go after those players. Now I wanted to talk to you guys as well about a couple of key matchups that are coming this weekend. Uh, Let's start with the London game. Speaking of London, Jaguars are, excuse me, the Tennessee Titans are there uh, and taking on the Baltimore Ravens. And we kind of saw the Baltimore Ravens if I do say so myself, implode against my Pittsburgh Steelers last weekend. So, what is this looking like? Is this looking like an opportunity for the Titans to maybe get a win and kind of bolster things on their side as they've had? They've had moments. They've had moments. Or is this Baltimore's week to bounce back from the debacle of last week?
2: I think this this Tennessee team is what we've come to expect the Patriots to be post Tom Brady, where they. Run the ball. They play tough defense. They're really opportunistic at times. They're going to get games close into into the fourth quarter, and they're going to play good situational football and bank that you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. And they're they're just not going to beat themselves. Case in point, you know they're, they're ninth in the league in scoring defense. Now they're 26th in scoring offense, so they have a minus. Oh, I'm going to do math here live on the show. Minus five point differential. Uh, on the season thus far, which is obviously not great, but they're two and three. They have an opportunity to try to play close to the vest and and force Baltimore to get one dimensional, to try to move the ball with consistency and beat them. I think they have some athleticism on the second level and on the edge of that defense in Tennessee to kind of combat if Lamar Jackson tries to get outside the pocket and, and they try to move the launch point for him. So. I think this is a pretty competitive game. I do think Tennessee's going to have to hit a few explosive plays to win the football game. And that's Traylon Burks not playing in this game. I know he's, he's already been declared out. Uh, that, that hurts the resume a little bit, but uh, if they can find a few explosives and they win the turnover battle, I would say that if you gave me those two things, I'd pick Tennessee to win the game.
0: Yeah. And we saw last week, Jarvis, that, an explosive play by one George Pickens pretty much dead, dead at the Ravens. So how do they stop that from happening so that they can get the win this week?
1: Yeah, I think it's good. it's going to be one of, you have to co- maybe have to go back to what you used to do last year. Right. Like, because, you know, with Todd Monk and kind of coming in as the offense coordinator, you want yeah. to kind of open up the offense a little bit and mm-hmm. have, you know, Lamar Jackson run eight, 20th century type situation, You know 20th, 20th century You know type of Offense Like a modern day Offense And mm-hmm. I think that You know When you get into These games Like that style Makes the fight right We know what Tennessee wants to do Like Kyle mentioned They want to be able To run the rock And, and play good defense and, and hopefully Their quarterback Can make a play To, to, to um, put them With more points At the end of the game So I think that and, and the thing about it is I feel like Baltimore is built to do that too, you mm-hmm. know, because of, you know, the success that they've had, you know, in, in the previous uh, offensive play callers. So when you have all of those factors coming into this game like this and, and losing the game like you did against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Joey Porter Jr. out here talking trash to everybody, you know, he can f- kind of feeling himself like his daddy, you know, stunned like his daddy, I guess, you know. But I, I think that this is a, a situation where you can get right. And I feel like – I really feel like they, they can because – I feel like I feel like Lamar is is still ready to kind of take it to that next level as far as like really establishing himself yeah. as a guy who can th- throw the ball around because like you said he has the weapons he's targeting a guy like Zay Flowers who can take the top off the defense and I think that if they can able continue to tap into that I really feel like they can win this game.
0: All right, now guys, I got about sixty seconds for each one of you to talk a little bit about the teams that you cover. Miami is going to have an easy peasy Carolina Panthers oh, this week. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just trying to be like You're I,
2: uncomfortable <laughs> up here.
0: Right. And Then, I'll, of course it'll it'll be we'll come back next week and talk about an L when you put that out there. But anyway, what do you think about how Miami's gonna play against one Carolina?
2: Well, Carolina's really banged up too. Frank Wright came out and yeah. said there's gonna be about five starters that aren't gonna play, including Von Bell, uh, which is a really surprising name. You take that with JC Horn at corner and uh they're 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 going to be licking their wounds a little bit. Xavier Woods, the other starting safety, is out as well, so they're missing three of their four starting base secondary players against Miami's passing offense, which is a really bad mix. I think for Miami, th- this comes back to trying to maintain the momentum that you have running the football. Uh, they are almost at a thousand yards rushing on the season through five games, and and that's not been the case for the Dolphins as a football team in a really long time. So. As they get later into this season and they want to make sure they continue to be balanced offensively, you're going to play Philadelphia next week, you're going to play Kansas City in three weeks, you're going to want to make sure that 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 offensive rhythm is in place. And I think this is another good opportunity without Devon Achan, who just went on IR. Are you bringing back Jeff Wilson? Are you putting Savon Ahmed into that second running back spot? Make sure that you're you're hitting on all cylinders in the run right. game because you're going to need that in the next couple weeks.
0: Indeed, Jarvis, just 30 seconds. But tell me how Atlanta, give me one key to Atlanta getting a win over the Commanders this weekend.
1: The Falcons had a clean bill of health on their entry report, had a couple guys kind of lingering on there, limited, down there. Now it's completely clear. They need to also play that style of football, play clean football. Those two fumbles that you gave away last week, more than likely, a team like the Commanders, they have the the necessary talent to be able to take advantage of those in in a in the worst way, and I mean like getting six points. So play, you got a clean bill of health on the injury report, play a clean football game, do not turn the ball over, and I think I feel like the Falcons can get a dub this week.
0: Ah, right. thank you guys so very much, and of course we thank everyone who stops by each and every week to check us out on Locked On NFL Kickoff Live for Kyle Krabs, Jarvis Davis. I'm Tanitra Batiste, and don't forget to come back and see us next week.